Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband, Josh, wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? Yeah. And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. We need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry. And then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church. Exactly. Knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Um, last week, uh, I had the privilege of walking with you through a chapter or part of a chapter, Mark chapter 10, in which Jesus... Um, invites us to consider what it means when his kingdom comes, and particularly for whom the kingdom is good news and who has capacity to receive it. And very specifically, I suggested that the kingdom comes to those who have nothing better to do, who come with empty hands, who come with open hearts, who come without a life filled with agenda uh, and to-do lists, so that so that when, when, when the kingdom comes, it has space in which to expand. That's basically what I was trying to do last week. Um, and, of course, it was shocking for the disciples because they um, had already designs on the kingdom. That is to say, the kingdom comes to, to enhance my already functional life, to kind of be icing on the cake 
of my um, spirituality or on my plans or my agenda. And of course, when, when you're following Jesus around, and especially if you're not paying too close attention, uh, you might be mis forgiven for thinking that, uh, that, that when you watch him, when you listen to him, Jesus is going to take down the powers, which in fact he is, but he's not going to do it in the way that you anticipate that he will. So when they hear him say that the, the wealthy will have a hard time entering into the kingdom, you can feel the shock waves working itself, themselves through their soul. This, how do, if, wait, if the kingdom is about taking down the powers, aren't we going to need people who are wealthy to do that? And Jesus, of course, has to redefine for them over and over and over again that the kingdom is going to take down the powers, but is going to do so in a way that is not going to be simply about demonstrating more power. And that is as shocking and dismaying to us today as it was to them in that first century, isn't it? Um, so, if you have Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. We're going to spend time uh, in the story that follows almost immediately after where we were last week as we consider the mission of Jesus, how the kingdom comes, and to whom it is good news. The passage that we'll look at uh, begins uh, as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. So, here's the story. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Jesus was walking on ahead of them, and they were amazed. And meanwhile, the crowd following were fearful. So again, he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him. And this is what he said. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests, the scribes. They will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him. And three days later, they will rise again. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? That we can, they answered. Jesus said, well, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them. But that's not the way it is with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this passage begins... Um, third time, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Remember John chapter, or Mark chapter 8... 
Um, Who do you say that I am? Peter stumbled into the right answer. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Two times before this, Peter has, with the disciples, heard Jesus tell them what is going to happen to him when he goes to Jerusalem. And so he says it to them again. Please notice, uh, he has made it clear. Go ahead and put that up. On the road up to Jerusalem. So everybody is aware of this moment. Uh, If you're following along in the calendar, you know that they are heading up to Jerusalem at the Feast of Passover. Uh, Passover is, uh, if you will, Israel's Independence Day. It was the day on which they were delivered from Egypt. So if you were going to mount a revolution to throw people out of your country, wouldn't the day of independence be a good day to do that? So this perhaps is informing their thinking. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He has been crystal clear on what is going to go down when he gets there. Uh, But at the same time, you'll notice, he is walking on ahead, and the, the Greek in here indicates that there is a purposefulness, a striding towards Jerusalem. Jesus is not hesitant as he heads toward Jerusalem, knowing what is going to come for him. The crowds, however, the buzz on the street is we're heading into battle here. Perhaps we are heading into a revolutionary warfare here. And so the crowds are anxious about what is going on. They're afraid. Jesus pulls now the ten aside, not the crowds, the ten, the disciples rather, and says to them what is going to happen to them and underlines again for the third time now. Go ahead and put it back up. We are going to Jerusalem. No. We are going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him. And three days later, they will rise again. Anybody unclear on what is going to happen? (laughs) Third time, right? And of course, they have their ears set. They have a bypass filter set for hearing what they want to hear. How many of you hear what you want to hear when Jesus talks? Yeah, we all do. We all do. And, 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 and the, we're, the, so effective is their bypass filter that they, they kind of start to tune out so quickly that they don't get to the end rise again part. They have stopped listening long before he gets there. They're out on a commercial break long before he gets to that moment because when Jesus, in fact, has all of these happen to him and does die and three days later rise again, they have no clue what happened. Even though he has told them three times what is going to happen. Do you ever just feel sorry for Jesus? Sometimes dealing with those guys. And then you realize... You're those guys, right? Well, that's the reality as he he heads into Jerusalem. So he is just, he's striding towards Jerusalem where he above everybody else knows what's going to happen. The crowd's dragging along behind, thinking they're preparing for war, talking back and forth. Are we going to be okay for this? Some of us might die. Pulls the 12 aside. Yeah, 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 this is going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to, this is what's going to happen to me, and so on and so forth. Now, that's the scenario for this next little snippet into the insight of the 12 disciples. I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, Okay, there it is. Then James and John. So, again, he's unpacked 
the horror that is waiting him. Then James and John, sons of Zebedee, came to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for, for us whatever you ask. Now, have you, do you know, know what a non sequitur is? A non sequitur is something that doesn't make sense given what has just happened. So Jesus has just unpacked again for the third time what is going to happen to him when he goes to Jerusalem. And their immediate response on the way to Jerusalem is to pull him aside and say, we want you to do for us whatever you ask. Wait, guys, didn't, didn't you hear? Just replay the tape for just a sec. I'm going to go and be... I'm going to die, guys. We want you to do for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you, we want you to do for us whatever. What do you want me to do for you? And then they say, because this gives away what they anticipate is going to happen in spite of what he has told them is going to happen. Let us sit, one at your right and the other at your left in your glory. They are anticipating that within a relatively short period of time, Jesus is going to be crowned king of the universe. Or at least king of Jerusalem, which in their mind is the same thing. And when he comes in his glory, revealed as the Messiah that they know him to be, the ruler of Israel, they want to make sure that they have put it, you know, they've got their app in place just in case he's looking for help. We want them, when you come in your glory, to be sitting one on your right, one on your left. We want to be your guys. We want to be your go-to guys. We, we, remember, they understood how power worked in the Roman culture. It was through association with the great man. So when you come in your glory... We want to be sitting, one on your right, one on your left. We want to be, by association, people in charge. With me? Then he goes on. You don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism with which I am going to be baptized? In other words, can you go through what I'm going to go through? And their response was a simple, naive, borderline stupid. <laughs> we can't. We, we're ready for this. We're up for it. You know us, sons of thunder. Come on, Jesus. Bring it on. We're MMA, man. We're ready to go. And Jesus said, oh, guys. Oh, oh God. You ever just felt head patted by Jesus sometimes? No, it's just, oh, guys. Well, yeah, you will drink the cup I drink. You'll be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, but... To sit at my right or my left, it's not for me to grant. These places have belonged to those for whom they have been prepared. Along about this time, the rest of the disciples have caught wind of what's going on, and they too know how power works. Whoever gets there first gets the goodies. That's like why you don't want to be the last guy to hit the pinata before it opens because you got to get your blindfold off. Right? So these guys are, no, because it's a disadvantage. You want to just, and then hand off the bat. So these guys have figured out how power works, how they get, and they're, they're frustrated because James and John have gotten there first to do what they all, not all ten of them, wanted to do. And they're indignant. 
And Jesus, seeing this, go ahead, next one. Jesus, seeing this, calls them all together, and, and then in a... Does, is it okay if, if your Jesus gets sarcastic every once in a while? Okay, because listen to what he says. Guys, you know that those who are regarded as rulers, those who are the bosses, those who are in positions of power among the Gentiles, his code word for those who are not yet in the kingdom, they know how power works. And they exercise their power, they exercise their authority by dominating over them. They lord it over them. Their high authorities exercise, high officials exercise authority over them. And then Jesus says with the eye roll. But that's not how it is with you. Oh, really? Instead, amongst you, whoever is great must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first, must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's not how it is among you. When you pray, your kingdom come, are you prepared for it to come in the only way that Jesus will allow it to come? which is rarely going to be through the demonstration of power and strength and will usually be in the same way that it came when he brought it, through the embrace of weakness. This is very hard for us um, because we understand power the same way that they did. And the first thing Jesus wants them and us to know is that the kingdom will not come to support your misunderstandings of how power and authority work. The kingdom will not come to supercharge your already incredible role or place or position. Because the truth is, we, like them, know how power works, and, 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 and we, want, we want so much, somebody, to be in charge. We want some, somebody to, to get us out of the mess. And the more chaotic and confusing and troubling and, and difficult our culture is, the more we want a strong man, a strong woman, who will get us out of the mess, who will be a, a powerful leader. And if you think I'm describing the current political situation, you're right, I am because it's not different now than it has ever been. Just give us a king like the other nations. We don't care about morality. We don't care about decency. We don't care about track record. All we want is a big, strong leader who will right the wrongs that have been done to us, whoever the us is. We're no different than they. And Jesus will not play our silly little games. He will not authorize the misuse of power in Jesus' name. 
And instead, he, he pulls us aside and he says to us, in the middle of this misunderstanding, that's not how the kingdom comes, guys. If you want to be great, here's the mark, here's the measure of who is great in the kingdom. It's those who serve. Now, please notice, he's not saying serve so that you can become great. He's saying, serve is what great people do. It's not pay your dues so you can be large and in charge when it's all said and done. It's here is what it looks like when the kingdom comes. You serve. And, the, and, the, and, the, and it, not, like the, not, not like those outside the kingdom where, where you get to have your will be done. He um, underlines this in a very, very subtle way, and Mark is brilliant at this. Notice back a, a, a few verses where he says, uh, in response to James and John's question, when you come in your glory, we want to sit one on your right, one on your left. And he says, it's not mine to give. It is for those for whom it has been prepared. We're intended when we read Mark to remember that and to remember who was seated at his right and his left when he came in the gospel of Mark in his glory. Glory is the medium of revelation, if you will. It's the way God shows himself present. So in the gospel of Mark, where would you say the apex of God's glory is seen? Where is God's heart most fully and completely revealed in the Gospel of Mark? Where is God most clearly seen? And I think we probably would say on the cross. And who is seated, one on his left and one on his right. They didn't come to him those thieves who represent us all with our aspirations of failed power. They didn't come to him. He went to them. And he served even those who were the lowest of the low. The son of man, he said, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for who? The many. What Jesus is saying here, I think, among other things, is as alarming to us today as it was to them in the first century. But the good news is, no matter how deep you are in the depths and the pit of despair, no matter how catastrophically you have failed, no matter how wrung out by life you have been, no matter how damaged and destroyed you are by the choices of other people and by your own choices, no matter how many times you have been left for dead on the side of the road, no matter how many times your life has, has been hanging by a thread underneath you, is the Son of Man who has come to serve and to save. There is no depth so low that you can go 
where Jesus isn't underneath. His heart of love will never give up. That's how the kingdom comes. Are you in? Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.